Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let's Go Up Podcast Edition. Where we explore the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. That's good. Yeah, you sound like you're uh, laughing there. <laughs> I, I am. Filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Today we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Woo. We're your hosts. I'm Dean. And I'm Caritas. Caritas. That's how my dad says it. Your Caritas. dad. Caritas. Yeah, always loving, you know. He accidentally said at my wedding that I was the best. So there's four girls in our family, four daughters. And it's just the ongoing joke now for years because he was like, out of all the girls, she's the best. And he meant like, you know, how we would say, you're the best dad in the world. Right. Kind of what he meant. Everyone took it like, out of all four of my daughters, you're the best. Well, that's a thing, you know, because I have a brother and a sister. And for our entire life, we were trying to find out... From our parents, yeah. who's the favorite. Yeah, so I'm just going with it. I must My mother would say, Dean, you are my favorite oldest. <laughs> and my middle sister, you're my favorite middle one. And then yeah. my younger brother, he's the favorite youngest one. You're my favorite youngest one. just could never get it out of her. Yeah. Come yeah. on, tell us. <laughs> There's got to be one. Yeah. Oh, but you're hilarious. the best. But so. apparently I'm the best. It's been said out loud in a crowd. Bam. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Greatest, today we're going to talk about trust, mm. faith, and hope a little bit. Okay. But mostly trust. The mysterion of trust. Yes. Okay. It is a mysterion. Mm. It's a subject that's been on my heart for a few months already. Okay. And I keep looking out there and I keep hearing worldly people talk about trust and Christian people. Mm. And I keep thinking, I don't know if that's the way Jesus does it. Mm. So... Deep right. dive today into Deep trust. Deep dive into trust. Yeah. How does Jesus see trust? Yes, that's what we want to know. All right, love it. Yeah. So if this podcast is encouraging to you, consider hitting like and subscribe. And there's also notifications. Only for wanna... those, only for the 85%. Right, because the Wait. other 25% have already notified themselves. Or is it the other way around? The 85% don't. 85% don't. Okay, so yeah, you're right there. Is actually not 85 and 25. That <laughs> adds up to more than 100. <laughs> yeah, but this is the kingdom of abundance. There you go. So <laughs> that works then. <laughs> An overabundance of notifications. Yeah. So we are at episode 27, Kiritas. Wow. Can you believe that? Seems like we just I have started. Trust issues. I think you're lying to me. I'm not lying to you. <laughs> I would not lie. We can hash this out that. in our trust discussion. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, Dean. Yeah. Uh, our super awesome producer, Ruth, was starting to tell me a little story but couldn't finish it about some epic river rafting experience. Oh. I got bits and pieces, but apparently it's an epic story that she assured me you would tell me. <laughs> I don't <It's> know. Long. <laughs> How much patience do you have? I have five minutes of patience. Five minutes of patience. Okay. And go. <laughs> Nothing like pressure. Okay. Beautiful Saturday afternoon in the fall, and the family decided to go rafting. Went and got a couple of rafts, and we went to the river. We all knew the river because we grew up by the river, so we knew that if we parked our car here and then took the other car a few kilometers up, we could just go down and then pick oh, up our car. And smart. Yeah. So we got into the raft, and the river was going really, really slow. And we just kept going and kept going, and it took forever. And we kept thinking, where are we? It just went on and on. Yeah. Anyway, it started raining and we took one raft because we didn't have any rain gear and we put it over top the other one. 
We had two rafts, right? Because, you know, you don't want to get wet when you're playing in the river. No. <laughs> you're floating down the river. Let's nothing around as us. as dry as we can. So we looked like a clam. <laughs> yep. This is what, these are the times when you should just embrace the rain. <laughs> and it stopped raining. And we put the two rafts and we tied them together again and kept floating. Oh, yeah, okay. It just kept getting darker and later oh, at night. yeah. And we were starving. We had no food with us because we were going to have a barbecue when we got to the other end. You had this great day planned. Yeah. It got to be 10 o'clock at night. What? 10.30, 11 <laughs> at night, 11.30. Okay, what time did you start this thing before 12. dinner? We started at about 3 in the afternoon. <laughs> You're just thinking maybe a couple hours down the river. We thought it would be a couple of hours. Yeah. Right, midnight. <laughs> And we're still floating, and we still haven't gotten to our destination. <laughs> Actually, finally, we did get to the bridge. We passed it, and our car was just a few meters beyond the bridge. So we hey. pulled the rafts out. Everything was dark. Yeah. And then we were trying to get to the car, and we didn't know exactly where it was because it was dark. So we wrapped up the rafts, pulled everything up a huge cliff, and then we started trying to go across a field, and <laughs> it was wet because it had rained. Yeah. And this is Alberta gumbo, and it started sticking to our boots. Oh, no. And our boots were, like, huge with big mud clumps. Okay. Um, <laughs> this part of the story I heard, I heard you had sandals on with mud clumps on them. I didn't have sandals on, but my the wife women, did. The women yeah. had the sandals. You had the boots. Yeah. There was some hanger going on. We were all hangry. <laughs> Super hungry. My brother kept saying, we are having a barbecue no matter what time we get there. But you got to realize we still had to go back and pick up the other car. And then we still had to drive an hour and a half to get back into town and be ready for church on Sunday morning. Oh, my goodness. So okay. the barbecue didn't happen. Bar oh, your poor brother. We were eating the hot dogs raw in the car. We were so hungry. <laughs> it was seriously one of the worst planned family outings that oh you would ever goodness. want to imagine. Wow. It was bad. Wow. Well, it, you guys were creative. Necessity is the mother of invention, <laughs> sometimes. Okay, note to self, don't go river rafting. With Dean. With Dean. Well, I'm glad you guys survived. We did, we know? survived. And you're stronger for it, I think. Did you say you went to church that Oh, yeah, because day? we were on worship team the next morning. Oh, wow. See, this is the thing people don't know about these worship teams. We got, They're dedicated. We got in at 3 a.m. And how did that set go? Do you remember? <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> Like, Holy Spirit, you got to take over. This is one of these Holy Spirit take the wheel <laughs> moments. <laughs> well, you know, what's worse, having a super slow river unexpectedly or a super fast, aggressive river unexpectedly, right? Like, Well, I'd say a super slow river yeah. is probably safer. Yeah. When we got to the other end, from the distance that we had to go, we were going less than one kilometer an hour. <laughs> <laughs> the turtle starts walking down yeah. the shore beside you. We could you. have literally gone on the shore and walked oh, Okay. Did you have paddles with you? Yeah, we had paddles. You were not pushing against the We bottom. tried to paddle. Oh. Oh, and at one point in time, a wind came up for a little while, and we tried to, <laughs> make, we tried a to make a sail. <laughs> it didn't work. All right. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah, no problem. So did you learn anything about trust on this river rafting experience? I feel like it would have been a good team building exercise. <laughs> we were just hoping we'd make it to the other end and we did. But without a barbecue. We did not have our barbecue. That was a fail. <sighs> All right. So how are we going to seamlessly transition into our Jesus talk here? Jesus was there with us. Bam. There we go. There we go. That's all we need. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you were saying that you've been feeling lately that God has been speaking to you about trust. Yeah. Kingdom trust. Kingdom trust. 
trusting like Jesus, how did he trust? How do we trust? Mm -hmm. I always find it's like a red flag if what we're doing is very similar to what the world's doing. Right. It can be a red flag. The reality is that most things in the kingdom are actually upside down from the way they are in the world. So when we as Christians start borrowing language from the world to describe something like Mm -hmm. trust and how it should look in our lives, Mm -hmm. that concerns me. And right now there are a lot of communicators out there talking about trust, popular podcasters and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. You know, trust has to be earned Mm -hmm. and trust is this and trust looks like that and Mm -hmm. what is broken trust. And then when you start talking with Christian people and they start using that same language, then you think to yourself, wow, like, is this really how we should be viewing this topic? Maybe we could figure out how Jesus would do it. Mm -hmm. What would Jesus do? WWJD. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it never gets old. (laughs) No, it doesn't. (laughs) It's interesting that you brought this up because in our own life, we've recently been going through something and God's really been speaking about trust as well. So someone who's very close to us did some very hurtful things, confusing things. And so now they've come back to us and apologized and said, I don't know why I did these things. I'm sorry. I still want to be part of your life. And the first response we get from many people who knew about the situation was, well, good riddance or you can't trust them. Guard your heart. And often it's like very loving advice. But just been feeling lately, what would Jesus do in this situation Mm -hmm. when they come back like the prodigal son and just say, dad, I'm sorry, I'll earn your love back or whatever. What did the father do? He didn't make him do anything. He didn't make him earn it. He just welcomed him in Mm -hmm. immediately through a party, which ticked the other brother off who probably thought takes a lifetime to earn trust back and prove yourself. And so he's been speaking that to our hearts in the past few weeks, which is interesting. The reason why I sort of landed on this topic is because we talked about faith last week. And then I was thinking about hope. And then I was thinking about trust because all three of those things are so closely related. I love how you didn't say love because like the scripture, faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is trust. No. <laughs> it's just like what, what we'd expect you to say, faith, hope, and l- trust. <laughs> I love it. Expect the unexpected. Let's go up. Greatest, last week we talked about faith. So... I was thinking about faith just because I was editing the podcast. I thought to myself, what is faith? Because there's that verse that says faith is the substance of things hoped for. So that's where my journey started. But in order to have faith, you have to trust somebody. And then that's how it all came together for me. What is your definition of faith? I often thought that it was something that I'd have to work at. I have faith. I believe. But recently, I just feel kind of challenged in that. Is it believing? I've been wondering that too. Or is it something different? Ooh. Yeah. Like, mm. is faith different than believing? Whereas I always just kind of consider the two as one, like we often do with mercy and grace. We right. just kind of like interchange them, but they're actually quite different things. So faith, believing, hope, trust, all related, but not the same. So if faith is a substance of something that you hope for, then where does believing come in? And if faith is a substance, even if faith as small as a mustard seed he talks about? I actually see it as subparticle matter. I think faith is glory-filled substance. So I think what happens is when you hope for something, like crazy hope, so hope is the picture of it. And then that hope ignites something called faith to bring what you're hoping for from heaven Mm. to earth. And we know that one transfer mechanism for bringing things from heaven to earth is glory because 
glory can be in both places. The glory of God is a substance filled with life. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if something needs doing, the glory is up to the task. The entire creation was built with glory. Amen. And glory can cause things to happen because it's actually substance. It goes places and it does things. It's substance filled with life. So I think what happens is that faith partners with glory somehow because faith becomes the substance. I see faith as glory-filled matter. Glory-filled. Okay, your answer wins. Ching! (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I actually don't think that faith is the believing part. I think that believing Mm -hmm. releases the faith. Yeah. Faith is a substance. Yeah, so... It's a building block. Just thoughts. I don't Just thoughts. Just a few little mind-blowing thoughts there. Well, that was a mic drop. Uh Uh-oh. That was uneventful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Straight down. Yeah. <laughs> no backflip. No. Just Somersault. Simple. All good. Okay. I wrote this down. Faith is a substance. You might call it a subparticle matter that is charged by and interacts with the glory of God. It can manifest things in this world because glory can literally create things that do not exist. It is a creative force. Mm. So faith is the substance, it's the creative force, makes the things that you hope for mm. happen. You evidently don't need a lot of it, though. Yeah, that's that powerful. A mustard, <laughs> a mustard seed is enough. Yeah, let's pick the smallest seed, and that's enough to move mountain. It's enough to move a mountain. So faith can actually do the job of moving something. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just like an atomic reaction. You don't need much yeah. of that either, right? Mm. Yeah, wow. It's tiny, but it packs a huge punch. Wow. And everyone has been given a measure of faith, this substance that causes things to come from heaven to earth. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying right now. I don't know. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> and But I'm just thinking, okay, Paul says, these three remain faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. When you actually consider how great faith is and how powerful mustard seed moving a mountain into the sea, and then to make a statement like that, It says now abides these three things. Yeah. Yeah, They're living forces. Faith is a living substance. Hope is a living substance and love. They all abide. They live. Mm. They're life forces. Powerful. Yeah. So then trust. Mm. So in order to believe for something, which activates the faith Mm -hmm. to do the job of bringing what you hope for into existence, you need to trust the one who you're believing in. Mm. and who you're believing has given you a promise. So that's where trust comes in. Was it this last week that we were talking about his goodness? Trusting that he's good. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yes. So I have a definition of trust here. Okay. I went to the dictionary, mm. and there's, of course, three or four different mm-hmm. definitions, so I kind of amalgamated them. But here we go. Trust, a firm belief in the truthfulness, ability, or strength of someone or something. Mm. The belief that someone or something is reliable, honest, or good. A decision in which someone is given the benefit of the doubt. So if you trust someone, you believe that they are reliable, honest, and good. Mm-hmm. That they have an ability or strength to do something. If you trust wow. to sit on a chair, you believe that that chair has the ability to hold your weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what trust is. It's a belief yeah. in something that it's up to the task to do what it claims it can do. Or they are up to the task to do what they say that they can do. Or that the Father says. That, that the Father says do. he can do. 
yeah, in them. Wow, yeah. So when you think of trust with that definition and you think about people around and knowing what the Father says about us and our potential, do we trust that? what he's saying about so-and-so, that they can actually be that and live that, just changes the way you see people Mm -hmm. respond and exciting. So I figured that there's probably a few different ways that trust can go. Like, obviously, there are a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about us trusting God. But I have another question. Does God trust us? Does Jesus trust us? Did Jesus trust his disciples? And if so, what did that trust look like? And then, of course, there's interpersonal trust. Like, do I trust you? Do you trust me? Or the people around us in our lives that we have relationship with. Do we trust the government? (laughs) Like, there's so many different things. And then, what is trust? Is it based on whether we know that person is good or whether we know their character? And if they do something to harm that trust or make us not believe in them anymore, does that mean that the trust is broken? And then if something is broken, does it have to be rebuilt? What does the rebuilding process look like? These are all questions I have when it comes to trust. But I think what I'm most interested in discovering today is what does kingdom trust look like? Because that's what the world tells us. The world actually tells us to use our trust like a weapon, right? So We believe in someone's goodness only when they have proven to us that they are worthy of us extending our trust to them. And then if they do something wrong, then we misbelieve their character. And then we use the phrase, the trust has been broken. We withdraw our trust and then we make them jump through hoops to restore it. Yeah. What does that look like in the kingdom? Mm -hmm. All questions I have. Yeah. Good questions. Take a very long time to answer each individually. So that's why I like your refocus onto what does kingdom trust look like yeah right we all know what worldly trust looks like we know what a counselor or psychologist would tell us it all makes sense yeah logically boundaries and guarding yourself and such i was thinking this week about that scripture we often use have to guard your heart because that's one that i've often heard and used in life when someone breaks trust say right now i'm going to guard my heart right the more You start walking in Christ and trusting him and his goodness and loving him with your whole heart. I'm realizing the less I have to actually guard my heart. If I'm loving him with all of it, what is left to guard? Mm -hmm. If I'm protected in him, this is where being one with him and loving people with his love changes it because he doesn't need to be guarded. We need to be guarded. But that's why when we love him with our whole heart, we're guarded because we're in him. Kind of these little things shifting these major shifts, actually, not little shifts, just in even my attitude toward people in my life mm-hmm. and how I respond to behaviors and choices. <laughs> There's an interesting verse I'm just thinking of. It's in John, and I think it's... John 17? <laughs> nope. <laughs> With my bookmarks there, we have to use it. I think it might be at the end of the first chapter of the book of John. This is John 2, verse 23. Now, when he... Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast. Many believed in his name, observing his signs, which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, Hmm. for he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. So here it says that Jesus was not entrusting himself to them. That's pretty specific language. It doesn't say that... Jesus didn't trust them. It says he didn't entrust himself to them. That's kind of opposite. 
he actually knew them. It says he knew it was in their hearts. And so if you know what's in someone's heart, you can pretty much navigate what your relationship with them is going to be like. But when it came to Jesus and his disciples, there was a lot of trust between them. Even when they denied him, like at the very end, he didn't act like, well, now, after everything I did for you and with you and showed you, now you're going to have to kind of earn your way back into this trust. He came back and actually just said, brothers. Yeah, he threw the doors wide open. So the world would say, they broke your trust. You trusted them and they promised they wouldn't deny you. And he denied you three times. Was it Peter? Peter, yeah. Jesus doesn't make Peter jump through a series of years worth of trust building. No, he gave him a chance to make it right. And then he immediately received him back Mm -hmm. 100%. It's like while we were yet sinners, he went to the cross. He knew he was going to give his life for us. And he knew we were going to deny him over and over, mess up over and over. And he still went on the cross and gave it all boundaryless. <laughs> That's the thing that I wonder about Jesus. If he would have walked around guarding his heart mm-hmm. from all the things that were coming at him all the time, he would have ended up so crusty by the time he got to the cross. And so with all that stuff constantly coming at him, even from his family, his own family came thinking he was out of his mind or they thought he was insane. They were concerned for him and you're going too far and you need to protect yourself and you need to have boundaries. You need to eat something. You need to push these people away for a little bit. Even then, like he walked this way and his heart was fine. The world saw it as you need to have boundaries. You need to form trust with certain people more than others. I feel like his whole heart and his whole affection was with the father. I feel like there is a protection having your heart invested in the father. There's a protection in heaven that does guard our heart way more than if we would try to guard our own heart by putting up those boundaries. The Jesus that I know had a constantly open heart. I mean, did he put up boundaries? Yes, sometimes. But there are times in the scripture where it's recorded that people broke those boundaries. So he was super tired. He went up the mountain, took his disciples, and all of a sudden a whole bunch of people came. And what did he do? Did he say, nope? This is my God time. This is my God time. (laughs) These are my boundaries. No, it says they were exhausted, but he had compassion compassion on them and he healed all of their sick. So... That must have taken hours. It sounds like a lot of people show up all with selfish motives, like what I need from you. And he stopped on his way to have rest because he had compassion for them. Mm -hmm. I also see Jesus trusting his disciples way more than they were worthy of. Mm -hmm. I mean, he took them after only being with them for a few months Mm -hmm. and he sent them out two by two to do miracles and prepare the way for him to go Mm -hmm. later into those same cities threw them in over their heads and just trusted them. Yeah. Didn't try to manipulate them, didn't try to micromanage them. Mm -hmm. He just trusted them. To represent him. To represent him. He did that all the time. He threw them in to stuff that they didn't even know about. They would screw up and he would take them back immediately. Mm. He didn't make them make penance. I wrote it down like this. If someone does something to break trust, in order for us to trust them again, we set up a series of markers that they must pass or check off until we deem them worthy of our trust again. Often these markers are not clearly defined. They exist only in our mind and they leave the other party in the dark as to what we require of them. In other cases, we judge their character too flawed to even give them the chance to restore that trust again. I don't see Jesus doing it like that. Yeah. 
You know, Jesus confronted people who were seeking him and coming to him, but living in a life of sin or living with some kind of idol. He always confronted it head on. You want to follow me? You've done all this great stuff. Okay, go and give all your money to the poor and come follow me. And the woman caught in adultery, go and leave your life of sin. Like he was so direct with that, but he never created this like, now leave your life of sin and then prove it and start living through all these different things and prove this and do that. Like it was just leave it and follow me. And I feel like when we come to him with repentance and we genuinely want to just follow him and love him, I don't think he's going to make us jump through all these hoops to prove and earn that trust. It's just like the prodigal son's father. He threw a party. The prodigal son's returning to him was all it took (laughs) for him to just trust him. Right. And it rubbed the other son wrong. Like, how could you just trust him that much that you killed the fattened calf for him and threw this party and just Mm -hmm. welcomed him in? Like, he's got to earn it. We don't know if he's really sorry, but the father just trusted him immediately because he came back. Jesus did that all the time. He restored trust to people that came sincerely to him immediately. Yeah. But the world would say, whoa, 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 Jesus, Jesus, this guy, like that was a pretty big mistake. Is he really sorry? You know, maybe we should just like have some boundaries around him and see in long term if he reaches these. The father was just like, you're home. (laughs) So a question would be in our relationship with the father of heaven and the wonderful, amazing plan of salvation that he's given to us. Yeah. We as humans do wrong things all the time. If something goes off, basically what we've done is we have put pain on Jesus on the cross. Mm. Okay. Immediately he could say, okay, I don't trust you anymore. Mm -hmm. You've just done something wrong. Now you're going to have to earn it back in degrees, but that's not the way he does it. He says, if we come to him, if we confess our sin, he removes it from us as far as the east is from the west immediately. He doesn't even remember it anymore. And he takes us back as if we had done nothing. Yeah, that remembers your sins no more is just crazy. (laughs) So he restores trust immediately to us. And I guess what I'm wondering is in the world of the kingdom, should we be seeking to be more like that in the way that we steward our trust? Mm. Should we go around with a crusty heart always guarding everything Mm. so that we don't get hurt or so that our trust isn't broken? And if our trust does get broken, what do we do with it? Trust is a big thing. It's something that we're given to extend to other people. Mm. How do we steward that in a kingdom way? That's my whole inspiration behind today's podcast. Well, and it's a good thought to challenge people with and each other with. And like when God puts this on your heart to actually like allow it to question certain things. Mm -hmm. That's so important to have a teachable, humble heart, especially when it clashes with typical advice that you've always been told. And we've been taught that in loving ways by people who are trying to protect us as we grow. And so it's hard to understand when you're not walking in the spirit, someone walking in that kind of trust. With an open heart. With an open heart, because they're so one with him that you can't be hurt. If you've died, how can someone hurt me? Now you keep saying that. If you've died, you can't be hurt. So Jesus, when he went around, he did have a protection, but the protection wasn't of his own doing. He didn't protect himself from being hurt. Instead, what happened is they would take him and get ready to throw him off the edge of a cliff, and there would be angelic protection there for him, and he would just walk through the crowd. There were things always coming at him that could harm him or seriously harm him or even threaten his life, but he never guarded himself from those things. And how could he be accused constantly of being a liar 
constantly accused of being a demonized person, yeah. a blasphemer, yeah. heretic, insane. Yeah. Constantly getting that from all sides and be okay. Like eventually that would get to someone, you would right. think. How was he okay? He was came here fully man. Can we walk like that? And how did he walk like that? Mm -hmm. Was all of his trust on the father or all of his focus and all of his love and his being and his identity was so connected? I'm having a hard time finding language for this because it's this like profound revelation I think you're having. Okay. So as you're talking, I'm getting language. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. That's what happens here on Let's Go Up. <laughs> it's like when you're trying to write and then you erase it. No, that's not what I meant. No, erase it. Then <laughs> <laughs> Dean comes out with his Sharpie pen. Okay, so if our trust is fully in the Father, and if we extend our trust fully to Him, what would it be like to trust through Him rather than extending our trust out of ourselves? Mm, yeah. What would happen if our trust went through Him first and then out to wherever it was supposed to go? I believe our trust would look different if we channeled it through Him first. Yeah. I wonder if that's what Jesus did. Mm. He had his trust so fully invested in the Father that whatever came his way, he channeled that back down to earth through to the people that he was dealing with in a very unique way where he was able to trust without limit and take people back without making them jump through stuff to make it back on his good list again. Yeah, that's more clearly put. I'm just like thinking of everyday life, like how that changes so much of our interactions with people. Asking God, like, show me how you see these people mm -hmm. that I'm going to see today, whoever it is. Show me how you're seeing them. If they do things, say, that are hurtful or break trust, if you see them clear, their potential and how God sees them, I feel like your prayers for that situation and your response in that situation changes because if someone's hurting you or betraying you, they must not know him. You cannot do something to someone that's going to destroy their life if you've known him mm -hmm. and seen him. So it changes that. And then if they come back, like, I'm sorry, like this person I shared about, the trust that Jesus had for us is so easily given to them. Mm -hmm. So Jesus made himself vulnerable to us when we were his enemies, mm -hmm. and he trusts us, believing in us, even when we are completely unworthy of his trust. He also asks us to trust him blindly, and that kind of trust ends up being one of our biggest struggles as humans, mm -hmm. to trust in a God that we can't see. But there are some very famous verses like, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. There are dozens of verses that encourage us to trust in God. Trust, trust, trust in all kinds of circumstances. So he is asking us to trust him with our lives, with the good, with the bad, with all the things that happen, he's asking for unconditional trust. That's a hard thing for a human. Oftentimes we have a hard time trusting God because we don't understand his goodness and we think that things that have happened to us like bad things came from him. So if something bad came from somebody, why would I want to trust him? If somebody hurts you, you're going to be pretty careful about not trusting that person. So the reason why we don't trust God is because oftentimes I think we deem a lot of bad things coming from him. But the Bible is pretty clear. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. So he's not giving us these bad things. These bad things are coming from other sources. But we misunderstand and misrepresent his character, misrepresent his goodness, and 
we attribute a lot of things that happen in our lives to him, which is a wonderful tactic of the enemy to get the very one who is good to be painted as the one who is bad, which is what he is. He's trying to reverse things here. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to look once again for the definition of trust. A firm belief in the truthfulness, ability, or strength of someone or something. Mm. The belief that someone or something is reliable, honest, or good. So a foundation for trust has to be believing that God is good. If we could get that, then we could trust this one who is good always. He's always reliable. He has the strength and the ability to carry out the promises that he has made for us. And he is honest Mm. and he is reliable. And so maybe a way we can grow in that is just ask the Holy Spirit to give us more revelation on the goodness of the Father. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's hard to wrap our minds around if we're looking at it through our experiences and what we see in life or what we've lived through, the typical Mm -hmm. beliefs on God doing things. So when you ask the Holy Spirit, like I actually do want to know about his goodness and the depths of it. I believe he'll show us Mm -hmm. and I believe it'll change everything. So if you ask God, show me your glory, he's going to make all his goodness pass before you. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe we should ask to see his glory. Mm -hmm. Yes, there you go. Because there we'll see the revelation of his goodness. And once we have a revelation of his goodness, it'll be something that we can believe firmly in. Mm. And it'll be a foundation for trust. Yeah. Because how could you not trust somebody who's absolutely good? Mm -hmm. I want to... Learn to trust like Jesus trusted. Yeah. I want my trust to look like how the Father trusts me. Mm. The Father trusts us with life. Mm. He trusts us with gifts that are so powerful, they blow the mind. I'm thinking of like a gift of money. Mm. He gives us this gift that can do serious harm or it can be a beautiful thing in our lives, but he trusts us. He's trusted humankind with the gift of sexuality, a gift that is beautiful, but on the other hand, that can cause so much destruction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you think of the sex trades and all the things that it can do that can destroy people. Yeah. But why has God trusted humankind with that kind of a gift? Mm. He trusts us with things that are mind blowing. Yeah. That's the kind of God that we serve, and that's what trust looks like to him. Yeah. I ran across something in the NIV. I just wanted to read this. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And here we go. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love holds no account of a suffered wrong. So if we're going to love like the Father, we can't hold accounts Mm -hmm. of a suffered wrong. Love doesn't do that. And reading on, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Listen to this. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Love always trusts. Unbelievable. Yeah. In all fairness, different translations translate that differently. But here in the NIV, it says love always trusts. We are meant to see people how God sees them. Mm-hmm. When we were at our worst, he saw us as beautiful. Yeah. So he always sees humankind. He always sees the potential and the gold in each person. Yeah. We are supposed to see other people in that way as well. 
I kind of feel like if there's a person who is actively pursuing darkness, what trust looks like in that situation is calling that darkness out if the Holy Spirit gives you opportunity to. There is something in them that is still trustworthy. Mm-hmm. There is still a part in there that was created by God that should they turn to him is completely redeemable. Yeah. And I think it's always important that we don't judge them because Mm -hmm. there is one thing in that scripture I read right at the beginning. It says that Jesus knew what was in the heart of man. We don't Mm -hmm. always know what's in the heart. Mm -hmm. And the Bible does say, judge not so that you will not be judged. So the moment that we look at somebody and say, that person is a bad person Mm -hmm. and they are this and they are that and they are that. Mm -hmm. We've put ourselves in the position of judging their character, but there is something in there that the father has put in there too. So we have to look for that. Yeah. Let's look for that. Mm. So it's always looking for what he sees in that person. Mm -hmm. Think of the worst person, you know, whatever, causing wars or the worst person imaginable. He died for them too. Mm -hmm. There's something in them that was worth his blood. Yeah. I want to see that in that person that's doing this or doing that or destroying families or destroying countries. I want to see what are you seeing in them that was worth your blood? And there's a broken part in them that is causing them to be that. Yeah. To be what they're not. Yeah. <laughs> and so what is that broken part, Holy Spirit? Let me pray into that. Mm-hmm. Let me speak into that. Because our enemies should never be people. That's that's not our enemy. Mm-hmm. We have an enemy. Who steals, kills, and destroys. But mm-hmm. when we start confusing the people walking in deception and darkness, yeah. we lose sight of what's actually happening. And then you lose trust. Well, the world, we, uh, I have faith in humanity. I lost faith in humanity. Oh, you restored a little bit of faith in humanity. Why is our faith in humanity? First of all, it's not meant to be in humanity. It'll go up and down. Yeah, <laughs> It's like touchable and depends on what people do. When your trust is in God, it's constant, regardless of the ups and downs of behaviors and Mm -hmm. darkness, but so much of trust is seeing. I need to see what he sees. Yes. That's what I mean when I say we need to channel our trust through him. Yeah. We need to channel our trust through his eyes. The way that he sees is the way that we need to see. And when we see the way he sees, then it's much easier yeah. To trust. Mm-hmm. Cause you'll start seeing the gold in them. Like yeah. it might sound cheesy, but <laughs> it's in there. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist, when people were coming to him, cause he did a baptism of repentance, they would repent and he would say, bring me fruits of your repentance. Mm. You brood of vipers. <laughs> <laughs> Show me proof that you say repented. what now? What did he call us? <laughs> Jesus came with a much different new covenant slant on repentance Mm. and the kindness of God now leads us to repentance. It's a completely different look. Mm. Not a sign that says you're going to hell. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just contrasting old covenant to new covenant. All right. Let's hear these verses on golden nuggets on trust here. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him Mm. so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Love that verse. Yeah. Talks about trust, talks about hope, peace, all in one verse. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong with that. Romans fifteen thirteen, Psalm 56. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. Psalm 112. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. They do not fear bad news, 
they confidently trust the Lord to care for them. Mm-hmm. I love Psalm 91. I have it memorized in two or three different translations. Mm. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Mm. Jeremiah 17, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water, sends out his roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. So one who trusts stays mm-hmm. hydrated. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him, my heart trusts. Mm. Psalm 143, 8, mm. let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love for in you, I trust. Mm. Make me know the way I should go. There are hundreds and hundreds of verses like that in the Bible yeah. that talk about us trusting God. Once again, the foundation of his goodness, the belief that he is good, the belief that he's reliable, that he's Mm. honorable, that he's steadfast. Yeah. That gives us a place to let our trust rest. Now I realize that some of the most heated conversations I've been in have been over trust. I know this is a very touchy subject to people Mm. because we feel like we have a right to steward our trust to protect ourselves. Mm. I just want to say to all of our listeners and those watching that, yes, you do have the right to steward your trust however you like. Mm. I'm just encouraging everybody to consider maybe there's a different way. Maybe there's a different slant. Maybe we could learn something from the kingdom of heaven. Maybe the Father could show us a different way to steward the trust that we've been given because we do give it out as a gift. But he gave freely. He didn't hold anything back beautiful yeah trust through him trust through him yeah there you go in all the words you know how you said all the stuff we've just said (laughs) put it all aside let's trust through him through him yeah Mm -hmm. bam (laughs) all right you just got to get those buttons in there you know (laughs) because if someone's listening and they start dozing off if you put a bam sound effect it's like whoa oh yeah Yeah, you gotta keep them awake (laughs) that's right okay creatus that's where we're gonna leave it today awesome Awesome. <laughs> I trust that this was a encouraging and uplifting, uplifting, mind opening pod show. Pod show. Yes. And I trust everyone will have a fabulous week trusting through the Father's trust. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you have an awesome, trust filled week. <laughs> Bye.